0: hello. Welcome to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast that takes on current cultural and social issues through a clinical lens. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. And today we want to talk about food. Look, we're coming up on on the Christmas. We went through Thanksgiving about a month ago. We're coming up on the Christmas and the New Year's time. These are, for many of you out there, tough times when it comes to food. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that struggle with food every single day, not just seasonally. And so today, I want to address you specifically who struggle with food. Uh, I want to talk about some of the things that I've learned about food over the years. Uh, you know, as a counselor, if you have come to see me, you would hear, eat, sleep, and exercise. You got to get those things balanced because they balance a lot of things. If uh, your eating is off, you're sleeping and your exercise is going to suffer. If your exercise is off, you're eating and your sleeping is going to suffer. And so it goes that's really common knowledge in the field of mental health. It's also common knowledge in the medical field. You know, the way that we spend our time and energy eating, sleeping, and exercising um, is a way in which we can assess somebody's overall life balance pretty quickly. Is it a perfect model? No, but does it help us make some pretty quick assessments? Absolutely. So, If you are somebody out there who struggles with eating every single day, I just want to tell you first, before we really get rolling here, it's not a uh, a thing that you're going to be able to fix via food. It's not a thing you're going to be able to heal alone. Okay. It, this is something that is, you look, every day, you know this. I know you know this. Every single day when you wake up, there's certain things you have to do to survive. We have to breathe. We have to drink water. And we have to consume some food. People who struggle with food, either overindulging or maybe there's some body image stuff. And, and as a result, you, you, you attempt to control your food intake uh, by minimizing it or by purging. Uh, There's, there's a lot of different methodologies here at the end of the day. If we are so consumed with our thoughts and our emotions going around food, it is not healthy. Now, There is, you know, look, there's the typical, wow, I've put on a couple of pounds and, uh, you know, I'm not in the best shape of my life. I probably should take a look at my eat, sleep and exercise and rebalance. Okay. That's normal. People do that all the time. Where it becomes unusual is when you wake up and in the first hour or two hours of your day, you can't stop thinking about your body image or your food. And then as you go through your day, somebody offers you something and you have this internal battle. You you might have a planned response. Oh, no, thanks. Or yes, please. But internally, beyond that decision point, you cannot stop thinking and feeling about that decision point. Um, A lot of things come up in here. Look, I, I could rabbit hole this thing all day long. Why? Because... Food, body image, inevitably, if you follow the trail, follow the crumbs, they end up at shame. If you are overindulging, it ends at shame. If you are beating yourself up because of your body image and your weight gain and your whatever, it ends up at shame. And shame is is one of the most difficult things you'll encounter in your life. So if food is attributed to your shame or your body image stuff that honestly connects pretty closely to food intake is attributed to your shame, then your reminder of how much of a failure you are is present every single moment of your day. I mean, you talk about baggage folks. You, you want to carry the weight of your world on your shoulders. This is one way in which people do that. And so as I'm rolling into this, I want to first tell you, like, I appreciate the struggle. Uh, I I am. I am one of the lucky people. I don't spend a a very large amount of my time considering my body image or my food. That doesn't mean you can't learn something from this. I have worked with hundreds of people who have struggled in this very way. And I walk them through the shame. Look, if you go to an eating disorder clinic, let's say, They're going to create some food rigidity, right? Because what you have, unfortunately, sometimes that exacerbates a part of the problem. Now, I'm not saying that they're not doing a good job and that they shouldn't keep doing the work they're doing. Uh, I'm here to tell you that if your issue is you control your food intake and you don't address the shame, but you go and you can learn how to control it in a medically appropriate manner. Hey, hey, there's a learning lesson there. It's not worthless, but it isn't going to fix it. So, if you have gone to a food eating uh, you know, disorder clinic, uh, you know, like some, you know, something where maybe they diagnosed you with anorexia, bulimia, binging and purging, right? There's there's all these different methodologies and diagnoses. And if you have gone and done that work only to six months later, be right back where you were. The reason is you didn't deal with the shame. And as the shame creeps back in, what ends up happening is you fall into the old shame pattern. If you work through the shame, and you understand the concept of what food is, and you understand that you your body was uniquely designed for you, then then you have a chance. Then you have a chance. Uh, is it going to be easy? No, not going to be easy. Uh-uh. No way. Shame work is one of the hardest things. It's so dark and it's so scary in that spot. And your reminders, your triggers are present all the time, right? It's like, think about it like this. If your shame spot was around gambling, just by having a job, you eliminate a good chunk of time where you don't have to think about gambling. If your shame spot is around, uh, let's say, uh, the, the way you communicate, right you you are uh, abrasive and 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 gruff and maybe mean and so you're kind of ashamed of it but you you have a hard time changing it how much of your day mandates communication you could get a job where you don't have to communicate with people a lot and therefore your shame isn't in your face constantly when your shame is attached to food and body image Look, you can't get away from yourself, and you can't get away from your need for food. It's not a want, it's a need. You go long enough without food, you die. It's that simple. It's like if you go long enough without air, you die. It's that simple. And so your trigger is constantly present. Now, I want to tell you where where the hope comes from. First of all, there are people out there, people like me, counselors, uh, people like friends who've maybe gone through struggles and may understand parts of. Get your support system around you. That's rule number one whenever you have a major issue like this. Rule number one, get your support system. You cannot do it alone and be successful. It won't work. It just won't work, folks. So get your support system around you. Find a parent, find a friend, find a counselor, find a group. Find a support system. Once you get your support system that understands a little bit about how this stuff works, And where, you know, when it gets to the shame, how that experience is going to be very, very hard for you. Then you can start digging into, where do I go? Now, if you've got a biological concern because you have not been eating, you are going to have to seek medical treatment. It's that simple. Because if you die before you do the healing, you're not going to do the healing. So there, there is something to those eating disorder clinics right? You're dealing with usually some of the more extreme, I did crisis treatment for a bunch of years, some of the more extreme presentations. And so regulating the biological so that you have time to work on the psychological, the shame work, the head, heart, soul that is suffering. And that's what it's doing, folks. It's suffering. Sometimes you got to do that biology first. If you are stable enough and you've got a good support system and you can dig in, I can almost guarantee your shame goes back, usually goes back to a period in your life where you were made to believe something that is false, that is not true. Cause that's how we develop shame around food. For instance. This is really prevalent, whether they want to admit it or not, in the dance community, the dance world, eating disorders are extremely common because they are constantly being told your body is not right for this type of dance or, hey, you need to cut some weight. You're looking a little bit you know, unusual around this area. People want that that right shape when you go into your pirouette or whatever it is that you're going into. You're not made for this. And so that idea that you're being told you can't, that you're being judged as you are, as opposed to in the dance community, there are people who do this. So there's good stuff where they they will say, look, hey, look, I think your design is like this. Let's Let's see if we can make it go down this path. And they will actually cater to you and your makeup and create the beauty that you want to and crave creating with your specific design. That's ideal, but it's not common in the dance world. Now, the reason I bring that up is because uh, a good number of people that I've worked with in my past that were uh, dealing with eating issues, uh, body image issues, were dancers. It doesn't mean it's all of them. It was by no means all of them, but it was a good chunk of them. And it is is something that is pretty common in the dance community because of that sense, that feeling, that experience of being judged constantly. So if we trace it back to the beginning, you're going to most likely, almost every time, but I leave a little bit of wiggle room because people are unique almost every time. It's that sense of being unworthy that, that seed that says, if only I could not eat, if only I could lose five pounds, if only I could stretch a little more, if only I could elongate, And how do you make yourself look longer? You make yourself look skinnier and then it makes it look longer. And you create these false ideas based on lies that you have been told. Now, I'm not saying that those people wanted to hurt you. I'm not suggesting that at all. But the truth is you were made the way you are made. You don't have to fight that. You should be able to use that to create a unique experience. One that people could appreciate as you are. Not as you're supposed to be. See, that's the lie that's told. Oh, you're supposed to. But sometimes there's a a limitation. It's called how you are. Right? If you were made to be tall, and they wanted you to be short you're made to be tall if you were made to be short but they tell you you should be tall that's the lie so go back if you you know if you've got that support around you the love the care the people who understand a little bit about how this works go back not to those people but in your world, maybe with those people, right? In tandem, because healing happens with people. And explore the lie. When you can identify the lie that you have been told about your body, about eating, if you can go back and identify the lie as a lie and then reshape your existence from there, Yes, it's going to put you face to face with your shame. And for that, I don't envy you at all. Right? Shame is brutal. And it will put you face to face with it. But that's also where you can find the long-term healing. Do you want this to resolve? Or do you want to try to put a Band-Aid on a bomb wound? If your arm is severed, sticking a Band-Aid on it isn't going to do much good, folks. You're going to need to do something more than that. You're going to have to do the surgery. You're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to stare your shame right in the face and say, I am stronger than you. And you're going to have to mean it. You're going to have to believe it. And the only way you're going to get there is when there are people around you who believe it and you go to that really dark place and you learn just how strong and powerful you are over the lie. You're more powerful than that. If you just don't know it yet. So in the midst of this holiday season, I wanted to bring this to you Mostly because I believe in telling you the truth. But partly because I have encountered so many hurting people around this issue lately. That it was, it's foolish for me to ignore it. Y'all are not alone. You just got to take those steps. Find people. Address the shame. Not just the eating or the body image stuff. And you got people like me rooting for you for whatever that's worth. Like, I know some of you out there, you don't know who I am. Reach out. Let me know who you are. But even if you don't, that's not the point of this. The point of this is somebody knows you. Somebody loves you and accepts you as you are. That's one of your supports. Go to them. Hold on to them. Walk through this with them. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope this was helpful, and I hope you have an absolutely wonderful Christmas season. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate our audience a lot, so we give you some simple ways to track us down. Please like, subscribe, and follow all the podcasts on different platforms. But you can also email us at healthy at protonmail.com, or you can check out our website at healthy-perspectives.com slash podcast. It's a backward slash. So if you want to go to our landing page, if you go to healthy perspectives.com, you'll still find us. You just gotta click on the podcast button. Thank you so much.